to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zanna. What's in your cup today, Zanna? You know, this is a first for me. I'm having coffee. What? I know, right? Uh, actually, I'm having single estate Kona coffee from the Kona Coffee and Tea Company that my son recently picked up when he was in Kona, Hawaii. I'm still a tea girl, but this is pretty yummy. And also, by the way, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy I got to say, Happy New Year, who dis? Because coffee? Right. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, after, you know, New Year's Day, first thing in the morning, I'm having coffee. Yeah. So that that but, that works. Yeah. How about you? What are you having this morning? So this morning I'm drinking a mint chocolate black tea from the Republic of Tea. And this one's a special edition. They they often do ones that are connected to fixed shows. And this one's connected to Bridgerton, uh, the Bridgerton series that's on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is a historical romance book. Mm-hmm. started as a historical romance book series by Julia Quinn. So this one's... Uh, I. I'm kind of cautious sometimes when it comes to mint and uh, mint and chocolate and tea because mm-hmm. one can overpower the other. But this is actually nicely that balanced. That can go very so, wrong very quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah, very wrong very quickly. This is actually nicely balanced. It's okay. It kind of reminds me of a like a thin little Andes mint. Oh, yeah. Know, like the after chocolate. dinner mints. Yeah, the after dinner mints. So yeah, um, which is a nice balance. Uh, Mm -hmm. So before we get into today's book, though, happy anniversary, Zanna. Happy anniversary! One year ago, we started this podcast, and today we begin season two. Wow. Can you even believe how far we've come in one year? It's been a journey. Let's just say that. It's been a journey. uh, Yeah, we started out and said, yeah, we'll do two shows a month and, you know, see who we can talk to and whatever. But... All and now this. we've gone through most of your top 10 list and um, right <laughs> and we've moved to weekly episodes yeah and we've talked it's, to a bunch of incredible people and we really we have, have we have more coming up and yeah towards the end of the year we were uh, we found out that we kind of the people know who we are and yeah. and that was that was really amazing We've got people well, happy talking New about Year us. and let's happy season you know, two and let's get happy started. season two. Yeah. Yes. What book did I give you last year to kick off our new seasons, Anna? You gave me Butcher and Blackbird by Bren Weaver. And what do you think? Because you didn't tell me beforehand. <laughs> so this and has got to be a thing. No, 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 now, no, no, no. Going we forward. are not doing we are not doing edging for the whole of season two. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to take it. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that maybe I can build up your tolerance. Wow. Wow. <laughs> all right. Just for that, I'm giving you reverse harems and all kinds of kinky Bring shit. Bring it on, baby. Bring it uh, on. Okay. All right. Bring it on. Kinky shit is Lay on way. the kink, you know? Yeah. We got to do what we got to do. So what did you think? I, I didn't love it. But okay. I really, really liked it. Okay. I can go with that. I can go with that. It's a bit of a surprise, probably for you, that I didn't love it. Because it, it hits on some of my very, very sweet spots. Yes. Serial killers. Yeah. Like I said, it was great fun. But it was also... Now, I've never seen past the first season. But it, it really reminded me of Dexter. Yes. And uh, I had to stop watching Dexter because I felt really gross 
rooting for the serial killer. <laughs> so it was beautifully, that's, that's you know, fair. that that's that fair. show was, you know, wonderfully written, beautifully acted, but it just made me feel icky. I right. like mysteries and I like serial killer stuff, but not as somebody who's sympathetic to the serial killer. I'm more interested in those things because of understanding how the human mind can deviate from the norm and to understand. Yeah. And to see, you know, what different layers of humanity are. So to me, I'm not interested. I don't really like the killing part of, serial killers and murders and all that kind of thing. I'm just interested in what drives humans to those points. Right. And this does give me that. And this does give me that. And so it is really good. It's just, there was this, the reason why it's really, really like and not love is because I was like being asked to root for these serial killers. And I don't dislike the characters. I just... It felt icky. That's fair. And so we should explain uh, for listeners who have not yes. yet read. Yeah, uh, we should that, actually talk about what this is yeah, about. This is, <laughs> <laughs> so I do have to say, uh, first off, read the trigger warnings. One, the trigger warnings are actually hilarious. They're hilarious. Yeah, they uh, are but they, hilarious. But they are, but they are also serious in that, in yeah. that this does talk about serial killers and murder and there's lots of other uh, things that are involved in there both of the main characters are serial killers however they are serial killers of other serial killers so they are right and that's you know like the dexter model bad yeah that is the yeah like the dexter model as well is that they they kill other predators so they don't they don't kill for for hire so they try to kill the worst of the worst kind of serial killers the ones who are predators of of people who are less able to look out for themselves they are both working through their own traumas right in doing these and that's why they're going after the worst of the worst but yeah yes they're not uh killers for hire in fact they both have day jobs yeah and so this is actually a contest and it happens over a very long period of time. Yeah, they and that was one thing that was sort of like it was a very slow burn. It was very, a very slow, slow burn. burn. This is we're talking years. Like years. Yeah. yeah. That both did and didn't work for me. I do enjoy a slow burn, but it got to the be the point of kind of like, okay, another year, another year, another year. <laughs> There are lots of points where, uh, and this is actually uh, breaking the rules, rules that I've set for myself. Yes, uh, I was going to, I was going to mention this is that Jen has set a rule for herself that she, that that we're going to only review standalone books, but as was recently announced, book two in this trilogy of books is coming out soon. Yes. Butcher and Blackbird is the story of Sloane and Rowan. It's Sloan is the woman and Rowan is the guy. Yep. And Sloan has a best friend named Lark and Rowan has a brother named Lachlan. And then the next book that's been announced is Lark and Lachlan's book. Even though it is, uh, it is part of a series, it can be taken as a standalone. There's no, sure. there's no yeah. real cliffhanger there's a mention in at in the final chapter 
of somebody seeking revenge on somebody who is right previously been mentioned but we're not entirely sure who that is right but there's definitely a version of a happy ending uh for Rowan yeah and I mean it and... definitely is a happy happily for now yeah you know the this does have a happily for now I feel like that as far as serial killers go I feel like they're they're both very very damaged people which yes, is understandable are. because we're given their backstories and it's understandable why they're so damaged. I, I kind of, I don't necessarily make the leap, at least not with one of them that they would necessarily have become serial killers. And, and that felt a little bit pushed for me. Mm. And, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit when you ask me about my murder colored glasses. <laughs> I mean, I I do think that, like the relationship that these two build together, it starts out basically in the very, very, very first chapter that Sloane has been taken captive by somebody she's actually already killed, but she's gotten herself into a situation where she can't get out of it. Yeah, she's gotten stuck in a cage with right. the body of the serial right. killer that she just... Yeah, so she's killed this guy, but she can't get out. And so Rowan shows up, I think probably to kill the guy too, and yeah. if I remember correctly, and so realizes that who she is, and he's like such a fan of her work. And, and she doesn't admit it, but she knows his work as well. Yes. And, and he is the, uh, Rowan is known as the Butcher of Boston, mm-hmm. and Sloane is known as the Orb Weaver. Right. Because of what they do that is sort of their signature. Right. So they, they both have kind of signature moves for their killings, which I don't want to go too much into because, A, we would need to have our own trigger warnings yes. on the show. And also, I don't want to give away too much, but let's just say that Sloane is a little more methodical mm-hmm. and Rowan is a little bit more chaotic. Yeah, and they, they do. And they're they, sort of an odd couple as far as, yeah. you know, when it comes to murder, they're the odd couple. <laughs> yeah, so there, there are actually a lot of tropes at play here. So mm-hmm. there is the... Mm-hmm. I'm not actually sure if we could count it as friends to lovers or enemies to lovers because they are. I think yes. They are I think... battling head to head. So I think uh, yes is the answer to, to head. head. Yeah, it, so it's both. I think maybe frenemies to lovers. Frenemies be... to lovers. Yeah, because, because they. So after this first year where she's killed this guy that he came to kill, and he lets her out. Yeah, they decide to have an annual contest to kill somebody that is predetermined and but they're not told who it is they just have to figure it out and then they then it's a race to kill that person yeah and and it's set early on because uh, because we have a five chapters in is no spoilers but right it it is established within the first two or three chapters i think uh it's established that it's his older brother who is Mm -hmm. setting up these each of these contests uh sloan does at one point say that you know what's uh, 
I mean, he's rigging it for you. And, and right. the, the brother's relationship is such that he's like, nope, nope. Yeah, he's he not. Wants, no, he wants me to lose. No, he wants me to lose. Yeah. yeah so, so if anything, he's rigging it in your favor. Yeah. The Butcher and Blackbird in the title is, uh, Rowan is the Butcher of Boston, but he calls her Blackbird because that's right. what she prefers. And, and it's the it's the press it's the it's the police who refer to her as the orb waver right um, as her serial killer name but right. that is but that's where but the yeah, title her, comes from his his pet name for her is blackbird yeah but also she has an affinity for crows or ravens or ravens is, yeah she has an affinity for ravens and so she does not a object to this blackbird well she does it first she does, she does very strenuously because... object to it at first but eventually it gets to the, be the point where it's like comforting that he calls her that she objects to it because she yes she knows who he is and she admires his work but he definitely falls first oh uh, for sure this is a there's a trope for you he falls yeah, first he falls first he falls hard for her and first. and another trope for this is that He's a cinnamon roll. As much as a serial killer can be a cinnamon roll, this is the most he is, cinnamon roll serial killer you're ever going to meet. He is a cinnamon roll. And that's, you know, one of the questions that you often ask me is, how does Rowan, how does he fare with my murder colored glasses? And it might be surprising to you, my answer okay. on this. So through murder colored glasses, I don't see all that much murder in him. Right? <laughs> this is why I kind of struggle with him as the serial killer because it's like, okay, I get that you have trauma. I get that you have some serious trauma. I get that you in general don't have much caring for human life. But one of the things in my broad study, and it's not very, you know, official or anything like that, but I have done a lot of reading about serial killers. I have done a right. lot of, you know, reading books about real serial killers, watching documentaries, doing all that sort of stuff, because I'm very interested in how the mind of a serial killer works. It's not that I'm fascinated or want to become one. I just, I, I find it interesting. And almost unilaterally, one of the things that makes a serial killer a serial, or makes them the beast that they are, is that disconnect from the rest of humanity. So even yes. if you are in a position where you are, you know, you can be social and be out in, in public and everything like that and still be a so serial killer, but those people tend to be psychopaths who are pretending to be part of society. They are pretending to have the emotions. That's the Ted Bundy thing. Yeah, exactly. And so Rowan has very deep connections to his to his brothers. He has very deep connections almost instantly to Sloan. Yeah. And so he doesn't strike me as being that much of a serial killer. He's like, <laughs> he's too connected to his humanity in yeah. my third party obs observing of him to really let me buy him as a serial killer, as a killer who does it because, you know, it's his job. That you know, okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like, he's you know, he's I could see like him a, as a contract killer, but I don't yeah, see him as a serial has, killer. He gives off more hitman vibes. You he know? does absolutely. Yeah, like I don't I really buy that. him as somebody who is who 
toys with people as if they are objects. Whereas Sloane... Whereas Sloane does give me those vibes. Sloane definitely totally. has... She is very... She does have a, a strong connection to one other person besides Rowan. But... Yeah. But that connection is almost like a, it's, uh, it's not quite a human connection. It's like she has put this other person on a type of pedestal. And so it's not the same as like a brother, you know, the brotherly connection that Rowan has, or just, it's not to me so much of a human connection as a connection. Even her best friend, who is this connection, she has as an object she is an object to be protected and she is yeah. an object to be put into a safe glass box. And if anything, try, if anybody tries to do anything to this object, they will pay. Yeah. And, and it isn't even because of shared trauma so much as being in the same place at the same time. Right. As the trauma was going on. Right. For, for, uh, for Sloan. But even but even that it was like she it's like she was having this trauma of something happening to her, but yeah. it wasn't until something happened to her best friend that it became the, it the breaking the point. Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as you take away my shiny toy, I will kill you. You yeah, can hurt me all you want. My shiny toy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't threaten my shiny toy or I will kill you. You can do whatever you want to to me, but don't you dare touch my shiny toy. And that to me is the vibes I get off of off of Sloan. Rowan, like you said, he's a cinnamon roll. Yeah. So very through much. murder colored glasses, he doesn't look very murdery to me. So which, which is, is wow. not expected. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did kind of expect it because I knew that yeah. it's like it, okay, it has to go through the filter. Yeah. Um, and I the... don't see him as a threat to her. And that's right. where the murder color glasses comes in. Yeah. If exactly. I see the murder color glasses is when I see one of the partners as being a threat to the other one. Now, yeah. Sloan through mur murder color glasses. Oh, God. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> she. I, I would watch she... my back if I were if I were Rowan. She doesn't come close to killing him, but she does. I, I think the thought enters her mind. Oh, it does. More than it once. definitely does. It definitely but, does. But and there, it, but there is a point though in which the only kind of killer mind that Rowan really has is the burn the world for her. Yes. You know he will. He definitely is a burn the world down for the woman he loves. Yeah. But he would not burn her. Yeah. Exactly. I don't believe it. I don't, you know, even though he says there are a couple of times that he could just kill her, I don't believe it. I don't believe that he would, he would get to that point and he wouldn't be able to do it. I'm just enjoying the irony of the fact that the one serial killer that we have, uh, that we've listened to, uh, to any books about, and he doesn't pass the murder color classes test. <laughs> That's irony. Among the trigger warnings, mm -hmm. there is a particular scene in mm -hmm. which food is involved. Now, I uh, we should say that Rowan's day job is he's a chef. Uh, and he's right. A, he's and he a has chef, a restaurant. And he has a restaurant in Boston. Though he has, he lives in Boston. His brothers live in Boston. They've lived there for a few years. They're actually from Ireland. And the name of the restaurant is based on their travels from Ireland to Boston. Right. And it's called Three and Coach. 
because that was the the plane tickets that they got to get them mm-hmm. there. In the audiobook performance, he has an Irish accent. So mm-hmm. that's uh, something we'll discuss in a minute, the audiobook right. performance. So food is related to a lot of the book because, because he is sure. a chef. Yeah. However, there is a particular scene uh, which is discussed in the trigger warnings. And we're not going to go into a lot of detail. I will just say when you get to this scene in the book, Please do not be eating or drinking, whether you're listening to it or eyeball reading it. Please do not be eating or drinking anything because I, I was it eating. Will... Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> I have given the warning. That's all I'm going to say about I'm it. I'm just saying I'm I'm a I'm a rebel. But again, like I said, I've watched a whole lot of serial killer right. documentaries. I've read a lot about serial killers. I've read a lot about people. True crime yeah. podcasts. Yeah. I've I listened to way more true crime podcast than is reasonable Uh, yeah (laughs) and see this is the thing where xana and i differ because this has never been an interest to me i can go to cozy mysteries for sure oh yeah i love a cozy i mean i really love a cozy mystery those are probably my favorite but But like i I was i was going through a phase a few years ago where i was listening to nonstop true crime podcasts and it got to the point that both my husband and my son are like how could you listen to this and you can't stand to watch anything gory? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just the, it's the psychological part of it for me. I just, I find it fascinating. It's the case but study of it. It's the case study. I like the case study of it. Even if I hear the gross bits, I like yeah. the, you know, I, the gross bits just don't bother me. It's, do I want to see it in real life? I do not. Uh, but am I fine with, with listening to it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like jump scares. I hate jump scares. But (laughs) I mean, I got a jump scare the other day, just my husband walking into my office behind me. And he didn't say anything until he was actually in the room. And I just, (laughs) I literally fell out of my chair. Because I was so scared. Oh, see, and he lives here. I know that he lives here. Yeah. (laughs) But with the foods that are mentioned. Yeah. Sometimes the descriptors of scenes food is used as a metaphor or a simile of this is like this and this dish of something so if that if that is a sensitive thing for you or so let me just say what the trigger warnings like a couple of trigger warnings are so some of the two of the trigger warnings that are the funniest but also the ones that jen is talking about that you should be careful about is accidental cannibalism not so accidental cannibalism so, yeah, it gets a little gross. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we won't go into it more than that, but we'll just say, if you don't like cannibalism, this might not be the read for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or if you can handle cannibalism for a little while, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. It's less than the length of a chapter. It. Mm, uh, okay. No, actually, no, it goes, it's the length of a chapter. Okay. It's the length of a chapter because it's it starts in one chapter and and goes into the next one as the follow up. Right, but uh, it it's not the entire thing. So we'll just say that the main characters are not cannibals, at no, least not, not intentional cannibals. No, that's where the accidental cannibalism comes in because I, actually I read I read the trigger warnings to my husband and he's like, "What the hell is accidental cannibalism?" <laughs> And right. I, it makes sense in context. It's just yes. like, don't go to 
don't go to a dinner party hosted by Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Just. Yeah. I don't care how much you like Keontae. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed. Nobody likes fava ke- beans. Uh, nobody likes fava beans. So <laughs> it's. it's uh, So for the. There is a, one twist that, uh, that happens that was. I didn't really see coming. But in the back of my head, I was thinking, yeah, I probably could have. And actually, that did it did get me. It did get me um, a little bit because if you give too much exposition about a part of the story, then I kind of expect there to be follow up. And I will say that they did give me enough follow up that I I I actually did get a little bit. But when the twist happened, I'm like, of course. How the twist happened? Yeah, is the part that I didn't see coming. Right. The method of the twist was yeah, was the unexpected part. Was unexpected, um, and that was that was enjoyable because it was, you know, kind of it was like because oh, okay, it caught everybody off guard, including yeah. all of the characters, <laughs> including all of the characters, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and and the outcome of the twist, I think, also mm-hmm. caught some characters off guard. Too. Yeah, let's talk about the audiobook performance. This okay. is Joe Arden and Lucy Rivers in, mm-hmm. and they are in duet. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, they were in the same room to record this. Mm-hmm. They f- separate so booths, is, but same space. Yeah, same, but same space. So this was produced by Blue Nose Audio, which is Joe Arden's production company, and mm-hmm. they flew Lucy out uh, to do this. And so they had side by side booths and were uh, recording it. And at the same time, those in the audio attic who have the who are at a specific tier could hear parts of the recording as it was happening. Mm-hmm. They were able to listen in on everything being reacted to, you know, the process of everything, which was, you know, just a great fly on the wall kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And they did it over two days. Mm-hmm. They recorded pretty much the majority of the book, if not all of it, within that two days. Okay. The turnaround for this was rather quick. That does sound quick, yeah. Yeah, it was. But I think that the two of them being together and Mm -hmm. doing this duet style, that that lent itself to an even better performance. Mm -hmm. You know, because I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. If they had just done the, you know, the cut and roll sort Mm -hmm. of way that, that most duets are done. I don't know that it would have been as there are parts that just seem spontaneous, you know, right. And, right. and that there are, and that in doing that is le- less to leave on the cutting room floor, really. Mm-hmm. Right. It almost becomes more efficient at that point. Yeah. Other than and, travel time. And, and it also enhances the book. Right. You know, this is, and this is the way that to me, audiobook performances versus, you know, book to film mm-hmm. really enhance the experience of the book rather than taking away from it. And then, you know, the book, right. is, the book is always better. Yeah. Because the because what they're doing is they are performing the entire book, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, in a in a movie, they have to cut for time. And right. And, and they also and, film things out of order. They, yes. you know, and that's that's frequently the case is they you know they cut things for time they film things out of order so sometimes the energy is a little bit different from scene to scene yeah and 
there's, you know, continuity errors and mm -hmm. all kinds of things that could potentially take you out of the right. story. Mm -hmm. Whereas with an audiobook, they may do chapters out of order, mm -hmm. particularly for scenes that are emotionally intense. Sure. But for sure. the most part, they are they are recorded as the book, mm -hmm. you know, so you're getting into those scenes as the performer is. Mm -hmm. In this case, I just I think that they really both Joe and Lucy really went all in with this and took chances and those chances paid off. Mm -hmm. That's my assessment of the of the performance anyway. What did you think? Um, yeah, I thought that the, I, it definitely was a benefit that it was done in this duet, side-by-side -side duet way. I, I mean, I could definitely tell that they were feeding off of each other in a way yeah. that is, I mean, so the last book that we did at the end of December was done the same way. The Plate Before Christmas was done the same yes. way with Maxine Mitchell. And both of those, both this book and that book have that kind of, this kinetic energy yeah. that kind of helps helps move the story along. So I think it was it was beneficial. I can I I see why that can't always be the way that they're done. Right. Logistics but and everything. Logistics and, and everything else, but I definitely see the benefit of it. For sure. Not only logistics but, you know, cost and time mm -hmm. and right. all of those different things. For certain books it mm -hmm. it just it just makes it that much better yeah and this this one because because it was i mean even though it's about serial killers it's still a rom-com and yeah. so it has the the pacing of a rom-com and with ex with the exception of the years and years and years that get drawn out with their slow burn but <laughs> um <laughs> But they, it doesn't read like years. It, it really doesn't. Bryn Weaver really does a great job at editing time. Mm -hmm. She keeps that pacing consistent enough that it doesn't feel like that that was, but it was six right. years. Yeah. I mean, six years is just in normal time. Yeah, that's a slow burn. It, it didn't feel like that. So when you did finally get to the payoff of their first time together, Mm -hmm. then it was that much steamier for the weight. But it right. was also, it wasn't like typical slow burns where I'm sitting there going, just do it already, <laughs> you know? Right, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm used to with a slow burn where I'm just like, would you please just fuck? <laughs> <laughs> right? And yeah. But that wasn't, that wasn't this. I felt like no. there was a sensuality, even yes. as weird as this is to say, there was even a sensuality in the way that they worked together yes it was consistent throughout well i think what it is is that they're they're releasing a lot of the sexual tension by their violent tension yeah by having a violent release if they're not having a sexual release they're at least having some sort of violent release and right. so as horrible as it is murder is a very intimate experience and so yeah. it's about the most intimate experience you can have because you are literally taking somebody else's life. And so when it comes to metaphor, I mean, you what is it? La, la petite mort? You know, yeah. I mean, the, the orgasm the is, a, is the little death. So, you know, I mean, it's about as intimate as you can get. The intimacy, though, is between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Whoever their target is, is not mm -hmm. 
it does not right come into because the intimacy yeah, of it right because but they're doing something although this sounds weird to say they're doing something they love together yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> but uh, there's still that the, there's still that the couple little that bit. that plays together stays yeah, together uh, yeah which the couple that kills together i mean okay thrills together thrills together there we go <laughs> It's very interesting to me that intimacy happens in the way that it does because Mm -hmm. they have different methods. You know, they have different techniques. I mean, he's very impetuous and impulsive and she is in the exact opposite way is so methodical and has to do it Mm -hmm. in a particular way. But and because... there's there's so much and there's so much poetry and meaning behind what she does that most right? people don't get. Yeah, uh, but she even yet... she even says at one point that you know she does these like really intricate. Uh, there's a weaving that happens, which is why she gets mm-hmm. the orb weaver name. But there's a weaving that happens, and she's like, it's so intricate that police still haven't figured out right, what I mean right. by it, and you know, yeah, and she acknowledges you know, that she she does it, but there are times that she is more in the moment of mm-hmm. or, or loses herself to the moment mm-hmm. that Rowan doesn't seem to do. However, he is because he's there with her, mm-hmm. he can pull her back right from that precipice that she puts herself on. And I think that, that what that's what makes them a great couple. Right. You know, is that But it also definitely re reinforces the I don't really see him as right. the murderer. I see him yeah. as the he's the calming even though he his ca- killing is chaotic. He yeah, is He's not a serial killer. He's, the, he's a cinnamon roll killer. Oddly <laughs> enough, he's the voice of reason. <laughs> he's cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, he's definitely that influence that she needs and for him I think that she helps him more in his actual real life than right. than yeah. what he does. Yeah. And in what some he ways in he hobby. In some ways she helps him realize that maybe maybe he's not as much of a serial killer as he thought he was. Yeah. You know, it, it it's like he can get fulfillment out of things that aren't serial killing. I think that if I project them into the future and then I can see that she will continue to do her killing and he will move away from it. And sort of like she'll pursue her career and he'll take care of the kids. Yeah, he's he's the stay at home. <laughs> right. The two of them. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, he's he's got something that is incredibly fulfilling in his life that is art and passion. And that's his cooking. And so the killing is sort of a way for him to release some of that, that anger and tension. But if he's got another avenue for that then i don't think that he needs to keep killing right and he's but her a... she'll always be a killer she will yeah. always be a killer she she will always be a killer and there will always be something that flips the switch for her right how steady their relationship is will depend on mm-hmm. his ability to pull her back right uh, from that and and how often he can do that so mm-hmm. they will still they will probably still technically kill together, but she'll be mm-hmm. doing the actual act and he'll he'll just right. be there to enjoy it. moral support. <laughs> I 
I mean, I think he enjoys her work. Say. He loves he loves her art. He loves oh, her yes, work. Oh yes, yes. He's a and he's great a great admirer of her work. He's a great fan, but you know, I don't think his heart is in the killing as much as it, as hers is. Yeah, and we should say, listeners. I mean, this is. This is definitely a work of fiction and... You know, oh, for sure. Are, yeah. And uh, we do we not are... condone anybody killing anybody. Yeah. Any of that. And we have... But it this book is a work of fiction and it is a rom-com and it is funny. So that is why you have heard a lot of laughter in this episode. Right. Because there are moments that are just laugh out loud hilarious. There are very, very funny moments. For sure. And so given all of that... Using our five cup rating system, what do you give Butcher and Blackbird? I'm going to go with four and a half. I really, okay. really liked it. I've already mentioned the things that kind of squicked me about it a little bit. But um, yeah, I think I'd give it a four and a half. I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I didn't, I didn't love, love it, but I feel like there's a strong attraction. Yes. And this is, uh, this is one that was you know, really enjoyable for me to listen to. And I think also because I was there for parts of it when it was being recorded. And there was a moment where, you know, some choices, uh, some choices were made and being there when it, when those choices happened Mm -hmm. helped me to connect more with it. Sure. Because if you had told me that I was going to enjoy a book about serial killers, mm-hmm. I mean, that's no. not your cup of tea. Yeah, no, that is that is not my thing. I have read other books where there, and other romance books where there are serial killers that mm-hmm. are either one or the other of the couple, mm-hmm. and yeah, I I passed on them and I DNF'd. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though you know, oh, these are really good books. They're really well written. Well, yeah, they are, but they're just not for me um but this one this one was definitely for me um and i thought that it was i thought that it was funny and i thought mm-hmm. that it was uh outright hilarious at points and and i thought that it was well done in the exposition of it so mm-hmm. one thing i wanted to say is that in this new season I thought we could also maybe talk about how saucy, since we are the cup. Oh and saucy yes, we are cup and saucy. Club. So as far as the romance goes, and as far as the sauciness is concerned, I would say, you know, for actual physical intimacy, it's maybe a three. Yeah, maybe maybe two and a half to three, because it is such a slow slow burn. But I would say because of the general intimacy. That's not necessarily sex scenes. I would probably go with three and a half yeah. for sauciness. Yeah, it's and sauciness. We're measuring, you know, how, it's like spice level. It's it's a spice level, spice level, but branded for us. <laughs> but branded for us, yes. I yeah, I would agree with that. I would say it's about a three, three and a half. There's definitely some very very saucy moments. It's oh, just the, for certain. The quantity is not as much, but the but when but the quality is high. And since we have also retagged ourselves, <laughs> retagged ourselves as the delicious dish does mommy porn. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is very very it's light. Less you porny. Know, R rating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it gets an R rating. It's not even close right. to an X. Right. 
yeah, it is about serial killers, so it's definitely an R rating for sure. Oh yeah, no, it's for for the violence involved, it's pretty high, but uh, but it's actually, it, but it's almost like cartoon I mean, violence or you know it's yeah, like off camera violence. It is off camera violence. Yeah, there there are a couple of times when it's a little more detailed. Yeah, but it's more detailed in the descriptions of what happens to a body after death Mm -hmm. more than the actual act itself so in that way it's it's probably along the lines of dexter if you've seen it right you know it is not i wouldn't say it's overall gory no i wouldn't say gory but it is it is definitely descriptive it's descriptive it's descriptive and we are going to go for your next book okay we're going to go from light to heavy for next month and your next assigned reading is Girl on the Edge by a friend of the show, C.D. Reese. Oh, and it's Christine. performed She's by wonderful. Joe Arden and Maxine Mitchell. And mm-hmm. yes, we have done three Joe <sighs> books in a row. I acknowledge it. but I love Joe, but we should bring yeah, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> but we will be exploring other narrators, other authors okay. throughout, the, uh, throughout the season. This was just, we had both... Um, Listeners, this is a lengthy commitment for this book. It's 692 pages and just over 18 hours of listening time. And it is worth it, but it does deal with war, death, PTSD, psychological trauma, and it also deals with the events of 9-11. So please, please, please check the trigger warnings before reading. This one is really, really intense. Mm Mm-hmm. But it is extremely well-researched, well-written. And if you would like to commit to reading and listening along with Xana, please visit our website, Cup and Saucy Books, for links and show notes. You can also follow us on social media at Cup and Saucy Books. We are on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know if you have a book you would like us to review on the show. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And this is our first review episode of Season 2. So coming up this month, and to kick off our new season, we have narrator M.K. Blackwood on January 8th, author Emma Castle, who wrote Love in the Wild, which we reviewed in season one. Uh, Emma Castle will be on January 15th, and narrator Ron Butler on January 22nd. And since we have five Mondays this month, we'll finish off the month with a bonus episode on January 29th. Thank you for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next time for more great conversations with people from the world of books. And probably a few tangents. Happy reading. Cheers. Cheers.